0: be here with you all this morning to gather together here in the place to to worship our, our God and Savior, so we're glad that you're here with us to do that together this morning. If you're new or visiting, my name is Tim, I'm the senior pastor here at Three Lake Evangelical Free Church, and we are glad that you chose to be with us this morning. If you'd like to communicate anything with the church, there is a connect card in the seat in front of you. We invite you to fill that out. Let us know a little bit about yourself, and we can be in, in touch. If you have any questions or want to know more about the church, that's the way you can do that. You can put those in the wooden boxes that are on the back wall on your way out this morning. Those so boxes are also where a tithes and offerings can be placed um, this morning. Just a couple of announcements to bring to your attention. One is that this coming Thursday, October 19th, starting at 6.30, going to 8 o'clock, we will be our first Women's Common Ground event of the year. Um, and so if you're interested in that, women, um, there's information in your bulletin about that. One announcement that's not in your bulletin is that next Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon, we're going to have a, a cleanup day here at the church to take care of some leaves and some other projects around the property just to get ready for winter. And so if you're interested in helping with that, um, you can... Talk to to Glenn Stelfre, so kind of heading that up. Or you can show up here at nine on next Saturday, and we'll be here. If you have nothing for you to do. Um, we'll also have an email go out this week with more information. But just be aware that next Saturday, nine o'clock to noon, we'll have a cleanup day here at the church. One of the things we want to be about at the church is is reaching people with the gospel of Christ. One of the ways we do that is through our our missions and through giving to missions. And so to talk a little bit more about one of our missionaries coming up here, we have um, Bob and Melissa Warner going to come and talk to us a little bit about an opportunity to connect with one of our missionaries we support.
1: Thank you. Good morning. morning, Um, I'm Bob and this is Melissa. We're the Warners and we're the co-chairs of the mission committee. And so I, I love audience participation, so here's a little quiz. In September, who was who was our, what was our mission focus, and who came and shared with us? What was it? the yeah, Vision of Hope, and who shared? Caleb. Pastor Caleb. Very good, so you are paying attention. So, that's good. Uh, we won't have to, I was going to play Jeopardy, but we won't do that, right? <laughs> let's go, let's go. All right, so... In um, October, the missions that we're going to focus on and highlight is Camp Daniel, and many of you know who Camp Daniel is and what they're about. They are um, located at Applestein, Wisconsin, and they focus on the disabled community. their Their mission is to love people with disabilities and bring bring the gospel to them, and they do that in a variety of ways. Um, their Their main focus is that each summer they have five one week camp sessions, and that 's one way that we, um, you're able to volunteer. But now, um, since they have completed their own camp, they really go year round, so there are all kinds of opportunities to to share um, to serve and to talk a little bit more about the upcoming visit is Melissa:
2: I have no quiz or game show. Um, we are delighted to have Camp Daniel coming to our church next. Uh, Saturday and Sunday. So Saturday night, they will be Evan and Anissa Hartwig will be at our home. Um, let us know if you need our address for like a meet and greet, kind of a coffee dessert kind of thing, um, from seven to eight thirty. And um, Mike Silber will be there, who is one of the originators of our involvement in Camp Daniel. So we really would like to invite you. To come and if you know somebody that has a special place in their heart for disabled ministry or someone that you know that that would be completely new to invite them we don't bite and I think it'll be a lot of fun. And then they're coming uh, to be here with us to worship with us next Sunday the 22nd and they will give a little kind of an update from the pulpit. And um, their time of sharing and question and answer will be during the Sunday school hour. So we hope that you will join us for one of those opportunities, or all of them, and learn more about this incredibly important ministry that our church supports. Thanks.
0: I don't like audience participation, so I'm glad I was up here when Bob was up there. If I was not to... Well, we're, we're excited to have um, Camp Daniel with us next Sunday, and so I encourage you to be a part of that. Um, as many of you know, yesterday we had the Three Eagle Half Marathon and 5K in town, and so we had many of our, in our church participate and help with that and sort to talk a little bit more about that, I'm going to invite Nate Coach, who, by the way, won the half marathon, come up and talk about that.
3: That's just because Tim ran the 5K. (laughs) Um, So thank you to those of you who not only yesterday but over the years have helped out with our church's aid station. It's the aid station that sees both the 5K and the half marathon, so we're in there for the long haul, and we get all uh, over 800 runners yesterday. So there's a lot. So thank you to Bob and Sherilyn Coach and Robert Onsgaard and... Uh, Pastor Ian and Chuck, wherever those people are, and Bill and Nancy, and I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but thank you all for coming out and doing that. Um, We had some other winners with us, or we have some other winners. Uh, Actually, my daughter Becca won the 5K for the women as a 12-year-old. Nolan Waltz, sitting over there, he not only won the men's 5k he set a new course record which will be his for the till the end of time because <laughs> this is the last year we're running that race um... so and we had well the rest of my family and the Welshes and Manleys and Stauffers and um... debbie Onsgard. i saw out there and Zach dahan and patrick no picture weren't there Sophie was, uh, I mean, we had uh, Janie ran the half-maryland. We had half the people in here were running yesterday. So (laughs) it was lots of fun. It was a good day. Um, Had a little bit of sprinkles here and there, but overall really good weather. So, again, thank you all uh, for helping out, not just uh, yesterday, but um, over the years. So thank you.
0: a couple of notes just about the the flow of the rest of our morning in case you're new or visiting. So after you have the worship service right now, and then following the worship service, we'll have Children's Sunday School downstairs. That'll start uh, at 10.30. Then up here at 10.45, we'll have kind of two things going on. Over in the library wing, John Welsh will be leading Practicing the Way study on prayer. That'll be the first week of that. If you're interested in being part of that, we'd invite you to join him in the library. And I will be leading a, a time of prayer, going through a psalm, kind of praying through a psalm, talking about what prayer looked like from the psalms in here during that time as well. So it's kind of the plan for this morning. That'll Those adult Sunday school times will start around 10.45, and we'll dismiss around 11.30. So as we continue the time of worship, would you, would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you this morning just in awe that despite all our failures and shortcomings and sinfulness, you love us and you invite us to, to come before you. You invite us to come before you in prayer, You invite us to come before you in worship and you by your sovereign hand, have gathered each of us here in this place this morning. We don't deserve any of the good gifts you've given us, including this right to gather here, but yet you you have given it to us. And so would we this morning just honor you, praise you, stand in awe of you for all the good things you have given us. as we gather this morning. We fellowship together as we hear your word this morning as we sing together this morning. Would all of it serve to cause us to know you more deeply? Would it move us to bring you honor and praise and worship? we know you more because of what would take place here? Would we know you better, love you more deeply because of all that we do here this morning? And as we know you more, as we love you more deeply, would it equip us and help us to face the challenges that that come with living in this fallen and broken world? Father, we acknowledge that there are people who came in this morning dealing with very real challenges, whether it's sickness or relational strife or financial stress or whatever it may be, you come before you wounded by living in a fallen world. And so, would you be at work to help and strengthen and heal those who are in need this morning? would you, by your mighty power, work in powerful ways in each of our lives, but especially in those lives of those who are hurting. Give us a keen sense of your presence with us and your love for us and your ability to help us in the midst of trial. Father, as we we sing now, would it, genuine heartfelt praise to you as the God who loves us and who created us and who can do all things. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
4: Would you stand as we continue to worship? The
0: we can do it all on our own, whatever it may be, that we in our own power can accomplish what we need to accomplish. We can live good lives on our own power. We can handle what we need to be handling in our own power, and yet truth is that we're just saying, we need you every hour, every minute, every breath we get as a gift from you. So when we remember our dependence, our need for you this morning, I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're a kid in pre-K through second grade, or 4K through second grade, you are dismissed to go down to children's church. Wired Magazine had the YouTube page, which is kind of weird that a magazine would have a YouTube page, but everyone has a YouTube page nowadays. So right? Wired Magazine had the YouTube page, and on that YouTube page, they have a series that they call Five Levels. And the premise of these videos is that they find an expert on a given topic, then they ask that expert to explain their area of expertise to people at five levels of knowledge. The level one is they explain their area of expertise to a child. Level two, they explain to a teenager. Level three, they explain to a college student. And level four, to a graduate student. And then level five, they have a conversation with a fellow expert in that area. Just a few examples. are videos in there called things like this. MIT professor explains nuclear fusion in five levels of difficulty. Or this one. A mathematician explains infinity in five levels of difficulty. Or one more for you, an astrophysicist explains gravity in five levels of difficulty. So there's these very complex topics being explained in five different levels. And I find these videos interesting especially because I'm fascinated by how these experts can take their knowledge and they play these very complex concepts to, to especially children, right, in level one. How they can take all their knowledge and boil it down to something a child can understand. They're able to articulate this concept in a way that the child understands. Right? And they do without saying anything that's untrue. Like, everything they say is true, and the child can leave that conversation saying, yeah, like, I know about gravity, or I know about infinity, or I know about... but if the conversations reach higher and higher levels, you realize that what the child heard and the child learned doesn't even begin to scratch the surface of the depth of knowledge that these experts have. And that's how complex topics work, right? They're they're layered and layered and layered of depth of knowledge you can have about complex objects. J.I. Packer puts it this way. The more complex the object, the more complex the knowing of it. And nowhere is that more true than in what it means to know God. God is so big and vast and infinitely complex that we can never in this lifetime come close to plumbing the depth of a full knowledge of God. God. But we also are called to, to know God. In the the Bible, we're called to know God. Right? And so what we'll see in our passage this morning in Ephesians right, is, that if, is that if we're going to grow in our knowledge of God, if we're going to grow in knowing God, then the place we need to start is in prayer. This is our third week going through a series on prayer. And so far in the first two weeks, we've looked at two different things. Right? So week one, we looked at who it is we pray to when we pray. We did that by looking at the first three lines of the Lord's Prayer, and we were reminded right, that when we pray, we pray both to our Father and the Hallowed King of the Universe. Right? They're the same person, but often we favor one or the other, but they are both are true of God. Right? That he is both our Father and the Hallowed King of the Universe who deserved our reverence and respect. Then last week, we looked at what the state of our heart should be when we pray. We looked at the importance of confession, confessing our sins so that our sins don't create this barrier between us and God. But in the first two weeks, we looked at who we pray to and what the state of our heart should be when we pray. And today, in the third week of our series, we get into the actual content of our prayers. In particular, this morning, we're going to look at prayers of intercession, right, or prayers that we pray for other people. We're going to consider what that looks like by looking at a couple of times that Paul prays for the Christians in Ephesus. As he writes the letter of Ephesians, Paul prays several times for the church in Ephesus. And so we're going to learn from Paul what it looks like to pray for others. Like, I don't know about you, but usually when I, I pray for other people, it's, it's in response to some specific need. Like, oh, you're sick? Like, well, I'll pray for you, right? or you had a huge fight with one of your kids, I'll pray for that. you lost your job, I'll be praying for you. Usually when we pray, it's in response to, to some specific need. And whether we, we actually pray when we say we'll pray for someone is another matter entirely. Jonathan Acuff puts it this way in a book, Stuff Christians Like. says, Sometimes saying, I'll pray for you, it's just the Christian equivalent of ending a date by saying, I'll give you a call. We don't really have any attention to actually do it, but we just think because it sounds nice. It sounds right. Like, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but like who among us hasn't at some point or another told someone, I'll pray for you, only to not actually do it? Or regardless right, of whether we actually pray for them or not. Like What is interesting that as we look through the Bible, especially as you look at Paul's letters to the churches, The prayers that he prays for those churches tend to be very grand in scope. Much grander than specific needs. They tend to be broad prayers. And that's not to say that we shouldn't pray for things like sickness or relational strife or or job loss. But we should also pray for more than that for one another. Our our prayer from there shouldn't stop at day-to-day concerns. They should be greater and broader and more. And so what I hope we see in our passage this morning what I hope this passage does for us is that it, it causes us to pray for one another, both in the day-to-day trials of life and for things that are far bigger and far more eternal. Ultimately, what I hope you leave here knowing, and more importantly, applying to your life, is that one of our most fervent prayers for one another— should be that we know God better. Like, yes, we should pray for specific needs as they arrive, as it arrives. But more importantly, more consistently, we should be praying for one another that we would know God more, we would know God better. To see why I said I invite you to look with me at, at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. It's in your bulletin. There's also Bibles in your seat in front of you, or you can watch on the screen. But Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Paul writes this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus, so he's talking to Christians, people have already trusted in Jesus. Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. That so Paul has consistently been praying for the Ephesians. He says he hasn't stopped praying for them. What has their prayer been? That I keep asking. Right? Not once, not twice. I keep on asking. That Paul's ongoing, never-stopping prayer for the church that he loves is this. Right? That the Spirit, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glory of Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Like, why does Paul pray that? Why does Paul want them to have the spirit of wisdom and revelation? He said this, So that you may know him better. Paul's consistent, never stopping, keep on asking prayer for his brothers and sisters in Ephesus. And not for any specific concern they may be having not for any trials they're facing, not for any persecution they're under, it's never-stopping consistent, ongoing prayer that, that God would give them a spirit of wisdom and a revelation so that they would know God better. That's Paul's prayer, that they would know God better. And so I just ask, right, when's the last time you prayed that for someone? Not for help to get over some sickness, not for whatever Charlie makes the boat. Just pray that, God, would they know you better? What's the last time you prayed that for yourself? God, would I know you more? Would I know you better? What's the last time that's been a prayer that's left for your lips? And I don't ask that to make you feel guilty, but just to encourage us. We move forward. In our walk with God to make this a staple of our prayers for others and for ourselves. At this week, would you pray this? For the people who are sitting around you right now, would you pray that they would know God better? Would you take time to specifically pray for fellow Christians in your life that they would know God more, they would know God better? The question, of course, then, is, is why? Right? Why, of all the things that Paul could have prayed, would Paul pray this prayer for the Ephesians? Like, why should we pray this for the Christians around us? Why should we pray that we would know God? Why, like, certainly it's better to pray specifically for healing, or for strength, or for finances, or for relationships. Why would we pray that they would know God better of all things? I think the answer is that when we know God, when our knowledge of God increases, when we know God more deeply than all other concerns, all the other things that we tend to pray about fall into their proper place. J.F. Packer puts it like this. What makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective, something something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this and this the Christian has in a way that no other person has. For what higher, more exalted, and more compelling goal can there be than to know God? Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, the most of life problems fall into place of their own accord. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, then most of life's problems fall into place in a place of their own accord. The place we start in this, by believing that knowing God is indeed the main business we're here for. We want to pray these prayers, and we need to have heart like Paul in Philippians 3 when he says, but whatever gains, whatever were gained to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Paul considered everything else loss compared to knowing Jesus. So your heart in a place where you can say that everything else in your life, your family, your career, your comfort, your, your wealth, your friends, all those are worth less to you than knowing Christ? Are you willing to lose everything else for the sake of knowing Jesus? For me, I think the answer all too often is no. There are things that compete in my heart for the place of being most valuable in my heart things I value more than I value knowing Christ far too often probably for many of you the same is true sometimes that there are times when your family your, your wealth or your comfort are more valuable, more important to you than knowing Jesus that's true right? that's all the more reason that we should be praying this prayer for one another We need to pray and ask God to work by the power of His Holy Spirit to help each of us know God better. When we know God better, then everything else falls into place beneath it. Would we pray that for each of us that our our greatest desire, our greatest concern would be knowing God and knowing Christ. Would we pray that for one another? Would you commit yourself this week to, to praying for your Fellow Christian, they would know God better. You pray for yourself, right? God, would I, would I know You better? And if I know You better, would I see You as greater and greater, so that the other cares of this world would fall into place in priority beneath knowing You? Would You give me a heart like Paul? It's important to note, though, that there's an important difference between. Knowing God and just kind of knowing about God. Again, J.I. Packard puts it well when he says this. If we are perhaps orthodox evangelicals, we can state the gospel clearly. We can smell unsound doctrine a mile away. If I ask how one may know God, we can at once produce the right formula. We come to know God through Jesus Christ the Lord. In virtue of his cross and mediation on the basis of his word of promise by the power of the Holy Spirit via personal exercise of faith. We know all that, he says. Yet, Yet the goodness and unfetteredness of spirit, which are the mark of those who know God, are rare among us. Rarer, perhaps, than in some other Christian circles where, by comparison, evangelical truth is less clearly and fully known. A little knowledge of God it's worth more than a great deal of knowledge about him. A little knowledge of God it's worth more than a great deal of knowledge about him. I think we're very good at having knowledge about God, but do we have a knowledge of God? And the question then becomes, how do we move from a knowledge about God to a knowledge of God? And again, Packer answers his own question. How can we turn our knowledge about God into a knowledge of God? The rule for doing this is simple, but demanding. It is that we turn each truth that we learn about God into a matter for meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise of God. As we learn things about God, as we read the Bible, as we read books, as we learn about God, that we won't be just content to have that knowledge in our head so that we can flaunt it at some point down the road. We can say we know all these things about God, but that we would meditate on that truth, that we would prayerfully approach God with that truth and ask, how does that change my relationship with you? How does that impact how I live my life? How does that change me? If we learn things about God, we would prayerfully approach Him and ask Him to use that piece of knowledge to transform us so we may know Him and not just know about Him. I've, I've quoted J.I. Packer now, I think, three times this morning. And i uh, preparing this sermon. I was a little bit yeah. conscious of that fact, but as I spent time preparing, I just kept looking at my highlights and my notes in the book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, which all these quotes come from. I read this book probably like, 13 years ago now. Like I can, I can remember, like, I can picture myself sitting in our little apartment in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, like, right after college or maybe in college, and reading this book, it's just having a profound effect on me. It's an impactful book, and it's not just me. I know, because I, I Googled most influential Christian books of all time. And Google, using its ability to kind of aggregate results from across different websites, put together a list, and this is what the list looked like. And Knowing God by J.I. Packer was the first book that came up on the list. Christianity Today, in their their list of fifty books that shaped evangelicals. I put it fifth on its list of most influential books. I just truly believe that this book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, is one of the more helpful books that you can read and your your growth in godliness. And I say that as someone who like tends to have kind of bias towards liking new, shiny things. Right? Like I like the new and the exciting and like University Press just published the 50th anniversary edition of this book. So right? this book is like much older than me. Right? The book was a teenager when I was born, and yet like there had not been a book that come along that had a bigger impact on how I see God, I'm I with Him. So if you're just looking for a book right, to help you know God better, to help you grow in your love and knowledge of God, then I just can't rec- recommend that book enough. I just re- recommend that you commend that to you as a, as a helpful resource. With that being said, I, think, I hope, like the big takeaway from what we've seen so far from Paul's prayer is that our, our deepest need, our deepest desire should be to know God better. And one of the ways that we know God better is by praying for ourselves and praying for one another, that each of us would indeed know God better through a prayer that God works to help us know Him better. And if Paul continues to prayer in Ephesians 1, we see that when we know God better, several things happen in our hearts. In verse 18, Paul continues. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people. When we know God, we also know the hope to which He has called us. We also know hope. When we know God, then we understand, we know the hope He he has called us to we know, God, we know that this world is not all that there is, but there's an eternal hope that we are moving towards as we live this life. There's coming a day when everyone who knows God will will be with Him, and there will be no more pain or suffering or sin or death. God has promised eternal life to all who know Him. In John 17, Jesus says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus connects eternal life directly with knowing God. You connect the hope that comes from eternal life with knowing God and Jesus whom he sent. They are inseparable. When we know God, we know we have eternal life. And that knowledge of eternal life then transforms how we approach this life. Because by knowing the hope we're headed toward, by knowing where we're going by knowing what is ahead of us, by knowing the hope that we have, we can face the difficulties that this life has for us without being overwhelmed. This world, right, fallen and broken, is marked by all kinds of difficulties. But knowing the hope that we have in knowing God, through knowing Jesus, it enabled us to, to face the trials of living in a fallen and broken world without being overwhelmed and crushed by hopelessness. Apart from the hope that is ours in Christ, the trials of this world are crushing. But when we know where we're headed, when we know the hope we have, it enabled us, to live this life without being crushed by hopelessness. When we pray right, for others to, to know God better, we're not only praying for their knowledge of God to increase, but we're praying that that knowledge of God would equip them to face the challenges of life. We pray that the, the knowledge of God that they experience would remind them of the eternal hope that they have. It's a great gift to have that hope, but it's great that gift if Paul doesn't stop there, there's even more available to us when we know God. He continues in verse 19 saying, I pray that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. When we know God, when we know hope, we also will know power, incomparably great power. Just listen to how Paul describes this power in the rest of this verse, and on. The power that we have when we know God, he says, is, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, in every name that is evoked, not only in the present age but also in the one to come, and god placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way when we know god when we know his power the power that is available to us is the same power that raised jesus from the dead Paul. That power comes through the Holy Spirit living in us. When you trust in Jesus and have the Holy Spirit come and live in you in response to that faith and all the power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is now at your disposal through the Holy Spirit. The question then becomes, do you live in that reality? Do you really live like you believe that you have the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead living in you through the Holy Spirit right now? Do you believe that you have the power of God living in you right now? Power that can help you fight sin in your life. Power that can help you talk to others about Jesus. Power that can help you have hard conversations. Power that can help you face hard circumstances. Do you believe that You have that power of living in you now through the Holy Spirit. And probably each of us is not as aware of that power as we could be. Which again is why we need to be praying for one another that we would know God better. Because when we know God better, we know this power the more fully we know God, the more we grow in our knowledge of God, the more fully we're aware of the power that is in us and available to us. We know God. We know hope and we know power. One more thing we know, according to Paul, that we know love. To see that we're going to jump ahead to Ephesians chapter 3 and look at another of Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Ephesians. In Ephesians 3, starting in verse 16, Paul writes this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So there's that power again that comes from the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. But then Paul goes on to say in verse 17, So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When we truly know God. Like we, we know love. We know a love that, that surpasses knowledge. God's love for us is so wide and long and high and deep that it is beyond knowledge. It surpasses knowledge. Our four-year-old daughter and I have been having this interaction lady, where, lately where I'll say, I'll say to her, I-, I love you so much. And then she'll say, I love you so, so much. And it'll go back and forth. Like, I love you so, so, so much. And I love you so, 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 so much. And it just goes on and on. And eventually, because I'm old, I get tired of this. And so instead of saying more so's, I'll just say, well, I love you more than you love me. And she'll say, no, I love you more than you love me. And it goes kind of back and forth a few times. And it started as a kind of game. But lately, it's becoming this thing where she kind of shortcuts to the end. And she just says, out of nowhere, like, I love you more than you love me. And if, if I try and come back and say, no, I love you more than you love me, she says, no, Papa, we're not playing that. Like, I actually love you more than you love me. <laughs> and then in a sign of her deep love for me, she gets really mad at me when I try to argue back. And so, like, it's no use arguing with her about it. Like, I just kind of let her have it. But what I want to say to her, like, the girl, like add your father, as your papa, I love you more than you could possibly understand. A parent's love for a child is the love that surpasses knowledge. And the truth that is between earthly parents and children is infinitely more true between your heavenly father and you. God, your father loves you with a love that surpasses knowledge. He loves you more than you can possibly comprehend. You don't need to clean yourself up to go before him to experience that love. You don't need to get things right before you experience that love. You don't have to earn his love. It is there for you. Paul says we receive that love because Christ dwells in your heart through faith and that's it. Jesus famously said, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Of course, that's what Jesus then goes on to do for us. The ultimate expression of the love of God for us is that Jesus, the Son of God, who is himself fully God, lays down his life for us on the cross. Jesus dies for us. Jesus dies take our sin upon himself and pay the penalty for it on the cross. And by doing that, he enabled us to go to our Father and receive a love that surpasses knowledge without doing anything to earn it. He loves us with a surpassing, a love that surpasses knowledge. There's two questions in light of that. The first, the foremost, like have you experienced that love by believing in Jesus? Have you trusted in Jesus so that you may become a child of God? John writes elsewhere, that like, those who believed him, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God through believing in Jesus, that you become that child who can receive love that their path is knowledge. So have you believed in Jesus? You trusted that he died in your place for your sins. That's the first step in knowing God. If you've never trusted that, you never believed that, you have questions about what that means, I would love to talk to you more about that. I just invite you to confess your sin to God and telling you, trust that Jesus died in your place for your sins. But then for those of us who have already trusted in Jesus, then the question becomes, we've received that love, but are we living in the reality of that love? In your heart of hearts, do you really believe that God loves you as much as He says He does? you really believe that God loves you at your worst? Do you really believe that you don't need to clean yourself up before you go before God? Do you believe that God loves you with a love that surpasses knowledge? I think at times we all struggle to feel as loved by God as we truly are. We're so used to the love we receive being conditional on our behavior, that we don't feel the full love that God has for us. Which again, is why one of our most fervent prayers for one another should be that we would know God better. Because when we know God better, we know the love that God has for us, the love that surpasses knowledge. So this week, would you pray for your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ? or system you want to use, it's up to you. Maybe you get the church director, you just pray through it. Maybe you pray if people come to mind. Maybe you have some other system. Right? But Would you pray for the Christians in your life? Yes, for specific needs, but more so, would you pray that they would know God better? So that as they know God better, They would know the hope they have in Christ. They would know the power they have in Christ. They would know the love of God that comes through faith in Christ. Would you pray with Paul that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know God better? Would you pray that for them? Let's pray. Father, we praise you that above all you made yourselves known to us. That you gave us your word to know you. you, gave us Jesus that we may know you. That even though we sinned and we broke relationship with you, you did not leave us. That would have been right and just, but you Kept pursuing us through Christ. We prayed to you that knowing you was even possible. We do not deserve to know you. We do not deserve to experience the hope and the power and the love you have for us. But because of Christ, you made that possible. We thank you that you have made yourself known. And so would we not take that for granted? Would we pursue knowing you more? Not just knowing about you, but knowing you. Would we go from here? Would we know you better? For each person in this room, would you work in their heart and their minds to help them know you more? They desire to know you through reading your word and through praying to you. If they learn truth about you. Would they bring them before you and let that truth change how they live their life? Would we be a people who know you? Would our knowledge of you Cause us to live lives marked by hope even amid the trial. Would our knowledge of you cause us to live lives in tune with the power of the Holy Spirit living in us? Would our knowledge of you cause us to live lives safe in the knowledge of you, that you love us with a love that surpasses knowledge? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So typically, when I close the service, I, I end with a benediction that kind of wraps up kind of the main point of the sermon. But I want to do a little, something a little bit different today. We ended the sermon by looking at Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, but I didn't read the whole thing. So I invite you to stand with me if you're able. And we're together. I want to read the last two verses of Paul's prayer that he was praying for the Ephesians. That you pray this for one another with me. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed.